All right, church family. Let's jump into the book of Romans. We have two weeks left as we conclude our, our series, Like Christ, and as we finish up the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16. And as Joseph said, one of the, the neat things that God is doing in and through our church is we have the opportunity to partner with the North American Mission Board each spring in order to send money through NAM that will actually go directly to support church planners like Joseph. And then we as a church get to partner directly with them and have the privilege to go and serve in just a couple of months as we serve with boots on the ground with Joseph and Favor City in Las Vegas. And so there's a team of 17 of us that are going to be going, and you're going to be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. But this is something that impacts real people and real lives, and so we want to thank you for your giving towards the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. So as you turn to Romans chapter 16, today we're going to be considering verses 17 through 23. And, and one of the things as we look at this text that I was reminded of this week is, is the importance of the idea and concept and doctrine that we are, as Christians and believers, people of truth. That we are to be people that are rooted and grounded in truth because Jesus himself says that he is the truth. He is, he is the way and the truth and the life. He is one that is uh, truthful. And so Jesus says something to his disciples in John chapter 8 that I found curious as we look at, at a text that is very much about how we as a church family guard against the evil one in our lives and how we as a church family are able to grow into the image of Jesus, which is God's purpose for each of us as we glorify him. So Jesus says in John 8, 31 through 32, he said to the Jews who had actually believed in what he said, he said, if you abide in my word, you are my true disciples and you will know what? You will know the truth, and the truth will be what sets you free. You will know the truth because you are his disciples and you know his word, and that truth will be what allows us to be set free. Jesus calls us, you and I, the church of the living God, to, to be people of truth. Now, in, in today's society, that's a, that's a difficult concept to achieve, isn't it? As I looked through vast statistics, I, I came across a couple of articles. One was from 2016. Pew Research did a, a pretty significant study from the average U.S. adult. And 80% of U.S. adults in 2016 that were polled said they were either somewhat or largely confused by what we have affectionately grown to know as fake news, right? That spreads like wildfire on social media, that, that you know, whispers around the, uh, the, the rumor mill, all of these things. 80% said that they had difficulty realizing and figuring out what the truth actually was. 
there was a study done by LifeWay in 2021. And LifeWay examined and asked pastors how many, what percentage of them had heard from congregants, from members of their congregation, had heard what they would deem to be conspiracy theories amongst their members. And the, the, it was staggering. 50% of pastors said that they had heard just outright lies and conspiracy theories being spoken of as possibilities of truth amongst the congregation. Now that is outright destructive, not just for our hearts and our own personal growth, it's destructive to our witness as well. Because Jesus says that we are people that are to be grounded in truth. We must protect ourselves, and that's what Paul is, is talking about. Now, this fake news has real consequences in real life. I read of a story where the, the, there was this long, uh, essentially fake story that, that came out about this pizza place in Washington, D.C., and it was called Pizzagate, to the point where this man in North Carolina drove loaded with a firearm and went into this pizza place, well-known established pizza place in Washington, D.C., loaded with a firearm because he had read online that this was a front for a child prostitution ring. And he was ready for vindication. What we believe and know to be true really matters and has actual consequences, not just in our lives now, but into eternity. So how do we continue in what Jesus says, abide in his truth? How do we do that? And what are the eternal consequences of us either doing that or choosing not to be able to do that? So let's look at Romans chapter 16 and beginning in verse 17 and hear what Paul in his kind of final section begins to tell us. And when you get there, church, say word. word. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So does Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cortus greet you. Would you pray with me as we open up the, the word of God? Father, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your truth this morning? May we be a people that abide in your word and abide in your truth. Give us wisdom and discernment. And I pray, Father, that you would speak through me this morning and that your Holy Spirit would testify in each of the people's hearts in here this morning that your word is true. 
I pray if there are people in here this morning that have not turned their hearts to you and have not given their lives to you, Jesus, that, that through this they would, they would see their error, they would see their need. Draw them to yourself, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. The main truth that, that I think Paul has for us today as we look at this idea of guarding and, and growing in Christ, that Jesus gives us the grace necessary to do this, is that the church of Jesus, Jesus calls his church to be discerning, to be wise, and to be obedient for his glory. But not only does he call us to do that, but Paul is going to say that Jesus gives us the grace to act upon it, the grace to grow in it. So Jesus calls his church to be discerning, wise, and obedient people. And Jesus gives us the grace to grow into those very things. And the first way that, that we see that in verses 17 through 19 is that Jesus gives us grace to discern and guard the truth. Jesus gives us grace to discern and guard what the truth actually is. I saw that there, there was a, a, a lady. Paul, Paul says, watch, guard. I appeal to you to do these things. What happens when we as a church congregation choose not to do these things and, and allow division and allow false teaching, allow fake news into our lives. The consequences can be dire. I've I, I read a story this week from a lady in the United Kingdom. She was a nurse, and she was found, actually, and proven to be sleeping for two hours a night, actually on the job in one of the waiting rooms. And the way that she was found out is that she was snoring so loudly that her co-worker was able to see her. She was sleeping on the job. It was much like Jesus and his disciples in the, in outside of the Garden of Gethsemane, wasn't it? He says, stay and, and pray that you may not fall into what? That you may not fall into temptation. And each time Jesus comes back and what happens? They're asleep. They're literally asleep at the will. There's, there's a, a certain measure of importance of, that Paul is putting on the fact that he is urging us, appealing to us that we watch out. It's so important, in fact, he only uses this word three times in the book of Romans. He only appeals to the church three times. The first time is in Romans 12, 1, where he says that I appeal to you, brothers, to be transformed by the mercies of God, to, to lay your lives down as a living sacrifice to God. He also says it in Romans chapter 15 in verse 30, where he appeals or urges the church of, of Christ here in Rome to be praying that he would be able to go to Spain. And then the final time is here in uh, chapter 16, verse 17, he says, I appeal to you, watch out. It's going to, there are going to be things that, that are going to happen and take place. Now, this is not a new concept, is it? Jesus himself warned of what? Entering the sheepfold. Wolves. What do wolves do? Wolves ravage. Wolves eat sheep. Jesus warns of the thief that comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And in that context, he's not talking about Satan. He's talking about the Pharisees that, 
steal and, and are the thief of, of joy in, in lives, the thief of salvation in people's hearts and lives. Our, our teaching, what we say and what we believe to be true as people of truth really matters. Paul warns people that there will be wolves enter their midst. Paul warns the elders in Ephesus in the book of Acts to be watchful. John, in all three of his epistles, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, he writes those books on occasion because of heresy that is existing potentially within the church. Peter and Jude also deal with heresy and deal with false teachers, and so they deal with all of these same difficulties. So what are we as believers to do? How are we to watch out? How are we to deal with false teaching? How do we discern and, and decide what is true and what is not? Paul gives us two ways, in my opinion here in this text, to discern what is true and then how to actually guard that truth within our own lives. The first way he says that we can discern it is by examining the fruit that we examine the fruit of what happens. Look with me back again at, at verse 17. He says this, I appeal to you, I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those. That is the word where we eventually get the word telescope or microscope from. To watch, examine closely for those who cause what? Divisions. The first fruit that we must examine and watch closely are for those that cause division in our midst. How do you spot a wolf? By what it eats. All right? those, are, those are who are causing division in our midst. And then what's the second one? That, that these people, the fruit is that they create obstacles, hurdles, contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. So for 15 chapters, Paul has told us in the book of Romans what the true historic gospel is. That anyone, whether Jew or Greek, Gentile or a Pharisee, that comes to Jesus Christ and trusts in him alone, not his religious heritage, not in his own skill or own goodness, that trusts in Jesus Christ alone to be saved, will be saved. That there's no circumcision that is necessary to come into play. There's no haircut that's necessary. It's not like the military where you have to pass a physical fitness test or anything like that in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Anybody that creates these obstacles is contrary to what uh, the doctrine that we have been taught. So how do we spot it? We examine the fruit. Now, how do we do such a thing? How do you detect what is real? So I'm going to ask Lauren to, to bring up, be my lovely assistant for the moment, and bring up two sets of beautifully potted flowers. One is in an incredibly expensive nukes cup, that I get and take for lunch because you can get the free refills when you go there once you buy the cup. And the other one is potted in a, a great Goodfellas cup, which has great pizza in downtown Chattanooga. They don't pay me to say those things. Um, <laughs> so here, here's the thing. How do you spot one of these flowers is real, the other set is fake? Which one is which? 
the Goodfellas is fake or real? Or is the Nukes one real or fake? Which one do you think? How many think this is the fake one? Okay, how many of you think this is the fake one? Now, if you wonder and examine these things closely, Sophie, you want to come up here and be a real example real quick? Yeah? She's being a brave girl today. I'm proud of Steve and Leanne. You raised her well. Okay. Now, which one do you think is real? Look at him. You think this one's real? Why do you think it's real? This one looks fake, she says, because it's paper. Right? So you can't, that's, that's exactly right. That's a great observation. It's a tremendous observation. And it actually comes to our point. There are two ways that we can, we can examine or fill out, figure out what is real. The first one is we have a correct knowledge. You knew what, Sophie, you knew what a real flower looked like, right? Paul says that these things are contrary to what they have already been taught. You will never, church, be able to discern what is real and fake in the Christian life until you actually know what the real thing is. That's right. right. Thanks, Rob. (laughs) So we must know what the real thing is. So the first thing is we have to have a correct knowledge, right? In order to examine the fruit... We have to have a correct knowledge of what that is. The second thing that we must do is what Sophie did so well is that she examined them. From far away, from way back in the back, it was about 50-50, right? And it's because of the distance that you are from it. In order to spot and see what is actually happening, you have to get up close, You have to examine it yourself. You have to be discerning. So you have to have the correct knowledge, but you also have to have the correct approach in order to discern what is real and true and what is false. So he says these divisions and created obstacles are false from what they have been taught. So you examine what is real or what is fake and what is real based upon what the real thing actually looks like. And you have to get up close and, and get dirty and, and touch it and smell it. If she would have touched the real thing, she would have known it was right. If she would have smelled the real thing, she would have known that it was right. Here's how false teachers work. False teachers and false teaching are about switching slyly our allegiances and our trust. It's about switching what we hope in, what we desire, and what we fear. You will know if you've been duped by some type of false teaching by when, when your hopes, when your desires, and when your fears aren't what the Bible says they should be. For example... January of last year, when, when that survey from LifeWay came out, we saw a, a great insurrection within our company and our country that was based upon a, a false news and a false fear. That's how you know that it was false teaching because it created a fear and a hope that from, even within Christian circles that, that was not of Jesus. It was of Peter, actually. It was one where I've got, to protect my, I've got to protect this myself. Jesus says, no, 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 no. 
That's not the, the way of me. And the fruit is always the removal of joy, the removal, removal of freedom, and the removal of love. False teachers create a, a, a sense of despair and not a sense of hope in Christ. They, they create a sense of frenzy and disloyalty rather than a sense of friendship, a sense of love. Now notice Paul says this isn't first and foremost to the Romans, isn't the job of the pastor. He's not writing to a pastor here. He does in 1 Timothy and he does in 2 Timothy. He writes to the elders elsewhere that it is our job to protect the sheep from what Pope Leo called boars in the vineyard. But what he doesn't say here is that this is the elder's job. He says this is the job of the congregation. That you as a church must be so obedient to Jesus, walking about in the truths of Scripture, that to the point where, just like Paul said of the Romans, that their obedience was known to all. But Paul wants them to, to continue to be what? He says, in wise to what is good. It's the same thing Jesus says in the Gospels, where he says, I want you to be as wise as a serpent and innocent as a what? As a dove. The people of Christ must be discerning. We must examine things closely. So how do we see if something is true? Because their choices, their fruit will follow. Titus said, Paul says this to Titus in Titus 1, 15 through 16. To be pure, to the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They prepare profess this is the fruit they profess to know God but they deny him by their works they are detestable disobedient unfit for any good work a wise church knows when people are being divided and notices the tactics of those who are doing the dividing and raising the dissension and what does Paul tell us to do with these people it's right there in the text it says avoid them and this is a continual thing. Continue to avoid them, meaning don't give them places of leadership. Just like a, a, a kid that is pitching a fit, oftentimes if you just kind of let it be rather than kind of letting it fester. And, and if a kid falls and scrapes a knee, if you go and act all crazy and hysterical, what happens? They cry every single time, right? Whereas if, if you are chill about it, then typically... They're, they're pretty cool about it, unless it's something really, really serious. And in that regard, that's what Paul is saying. Typically, the people that want to create dissension and want false, uh, false teachers, they want an audience. Church, don't give them an audience. Now, this may come in the form of just a, a whispering in the ear. Like, can you believe so-and-so did this? Don't take the bait. It can be outright gross teaching. But destructive people tend to move on along when they lose their audience. Paul loves this church too much to see them misled. I love you guys too much to see you misled by false things and things that are not of Jesus and of, not of the faith. And quite frankly, you all should love one another too much to allow that to be within our body. 
right? And so he says this is the gospel, that anyone, anytime can have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, through trust in his death, burial, and resurrection. So he says examine the fruit. The second thing that he shows us in the last part of this is examine their goal or examine the objective. Examine their goal or examine their objective. Look what it says there in verse 18. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ. They don't serve him, he says. They have their own master. He says their own master is their own appetites. That's another word for belly. Their own belly is what they crave to fill it. And by, this is how they do it. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive. They deceive the hearts of the naive. This is why we must be discerning and wise as a church. He says the Romans have been obedient, but he also wants them to be wise. Sometimes there's a difference. I've seen congregations, even in this city, that follow a pastor that is incredibly immoral, but because he set himself up to be essentially Jesus Christ to them, the one and only arbiter of the word of God. And he says uh, they are only trying to fill their own bellies. One pastor called it and said that their bellies could be filled by lots of different types of things. The payoff may be money. It may be power, prestige, control, even sympathy, anything that depravity craves. This is what the false teacher is, is looking for. So here's what you have to notice in their objective. Notice what their end goal is. Notice in, in these kinds of things. And here's, here are going to be some, some different, uh, honestly, false teaching that we have in, even in our day. Notice if anyone ever tries to step in place of Christ or the Word. So if a pastor or anyone ever gets up here and says that they have a special word from God and that immediately what follows their mouth isn't scripture, avoid them, right? I don't care if it's me. Call me out, avoid me. Like that's that's not what this, and so if it doesn't match the Bible, this is what has happened with Muhammad in Islam. He had a special word from God, right? This is what happens with Mormons. Joseph had a special word from God, and it deters, it detracts slyly that feeds their their own uh, idea. The second thing is if they place themselves between you and God. This is the greatest fault of, in my opinion, the Catholic Church that allows the Pope to stand between the people or priests between the people and Jesus Christ, who is our ultimate high priest. It's, It's a false doctrine. How about Jim Jones or other cult leaders that say, you have to follow my way. You literally have to drink the Kool-Aid in order to go to heaven. How about uh, other false teachers in in our area that say, you have to come to me as a pastor. I'm going to be the one that is in control of everything. It's it's wrong. The third thing that, that, that you need to be aware for is if, they, if anyone rejects an important truth about Scripture, for example, that Jesus is completely 
and eternally the son uh, or the, the, uh, the, the second person of the Trinity. Jehovah's Witnesses slyly make Jesus just another human. And so because of that, it's, it's, it's not of Christ. But it deceives the naive. This is important. One commentary noted that Paul is replaying all of Genesis 3 here. That he says, you have heard it said. Remember what Satan said in crafts in Genesis 3? You have, you have heard it said this. that You've been taught this. But would, would, a, would a good God actually say that? Or, or is he withholding you? Would you really be alive if you did this? And if you don't think any of us can be deceived, Adam and Eve did not have a sinful tendency like us and they still fell. Each of us must guard and be discerning. Even down to the fact, this is a replay of Genesis 3.15, even down to the fact that God here says that he will crush the head of Satan and he says that very thing in Genesis 3.15. So he says, guard and discern, work the garden. So like a water filter, filter everything through these four questions. Chuck Swindoll gives these four questions. I encourage you to take a picture of them. And I promise this last point is very, very quick. Does what I'm hearing agree with Scripture? You have to have been taught and know Scripture. Does what I'm hearing honor my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Or is it about me? Is it about you? Is it about the, the, something that you want from life? Does what I'm hearing help me become more godly? Or is it about serving some kind of lust that you have? And finally, does what I'm hearing cause me to think more highly of my fellow believers? Or is it trying to create more dissension? These are filters that we can think through. But thankfully, church, this isn't just relying upon us. Jesus gives us the grace and ability to do this. Through the Holy Spirit. That's what we see in verses 20 through 23. Look with me as we read this really quickly. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. God is giving grace through Jesus Christ that will hold us, that will eventually crush Satan under our feet. Why? Because the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It is with you. And then we see the impact of growth and discipleship on the faithful. So the first thing is that we must guard and discern the truth. The second thing is that Jesus gives us the grace to grow and persevere in the faith. Jesus gives us the grace necessary to grow and persevere in the faith. In, in, in faith. How do we grow in faith? We take what is necessary. How do these flowers grow, well, they're not going to grow in a nukes cup with no water or anything like that. And they're also not going to grow if I pour Mountain Dew in this cup, right? So if nothing is here, it's not going to grow. If Mountain Dew, what is wrong or false for this flower, it's not going to grow and be healthy. Only when it is provided what it actually needs is something able to grow and persevere. That's what Jesus is saying. Not only do we need to discern what is right and what is good, but Jesus gives us the grace and his truth to know exactly what we need. And it's him. It's his word. It's his church. This is the fruit of faithful discipleship. You see Timothy, 
who's a pastor now, but was a guy that grew up with a dad that was a Gentile, wasn't a believer. His mom and, and, and his grandmother were, but Paul helped grow him up. Erastus was a city treasurer, most likely was uh, potentially a former slave that came to know Christ and has been freed and actually became a person of influence. You can see his, his name written uh, in, in, the, the, in Asia now. You see someone like Gaius who continues to be beloved and in the faith. The product of growth and discipleship is that you and I will get to be a part of something incredible, and that's Jesus' victory in crushing Satan underneath our feet. That's the promise for us. So we are to grow as disciples, but Jesus gives us the grace to grow and persevere. Trust in him. So have you fallen victim of false news, false teaching, on Instagram, on social media, through podcasts. It's more available now than it ever has been before. Repent and come back. Test what is said. Do you feel defeated? Do you feel like, man, I just, I just, I just, can't, I just can't go another day. I'm defeated. I'm beaten up. Remember that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we will be a part of victory eternally. Trust and remember Jesus. Do you feel like you need to grow? Maybe you've been pouring in the wrong stuff that doesn't help you grow. Jesus calls us to a lifetime of learning and discipleship. Maybe that means you actually need to grow in knowledge, what, you, what they had been taught, what you need to be taught. Maybe it's that you need to be in a group that, that grows together. Maybe you need a small group to grow in. Maybe you need to commit to a local church. Be encouraged, for, for John says at the end of Revelation, this great, great truth, nothing unclean will ever into this, enter into this holy city, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you are in Christ, your name is written in a book that it can't be erased from. Trust, be encouraged, discern, persevere. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness through your word. God, I pray that we would be a discerning and wise people, but we would also be an obedient people. What your word says, may we put it into practice. Lord Jesus, would you continue to grow us? May we be people that are, are surrounded by people that encourage us in you. May we heed your warning. God, may we grow in your word. I pray for the person in here that feels desperate, that barely is hanging on by a thread. God, would you infuse encouragement in them? Would they meet someone here today that would encourage them, that would hug them, that would show them the love of Jesus? May your Holy Spirit indwell them and encourage them today. For the person that's been deceived, God, that is not an eternal thing. May they come back, repent, and come back to the truth. May we be growing and discerning. In Jesus' name I pray.